Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So I got a lot of emails and messages in the last couple of days from people who I guess want me to stay in a fairly good mood but realize it's uh, probably not going to happen. If you look at the headlines today, you know my mood is sour. And look, I could care less about a New York seat going to a Democrat. I mean, really? It Was that like a big surprise to somebody? Actually, the surprise was that George Santos ever won it in the first place. So they they grabbed his seat back, basically. And now... Everybody wants to warn the Republican Party. It's the chaos. That's what's, it's commotion. I heard every stupid, um, I don't know, every stupid opinion being taken seriously yesterday. Congressional leaders are set to be briefed on what the, uh, White House Intelligence Committee Chair Mike Turner, the Republican from Ohio, called a serious national security threat. Now, what does that mean? First and foremost, you never hear anybody say that. And he then calls for the president to declassify information about an ongoing threat. It said, today the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence has made available to all members of Congress information concerning a serious national security threat. I am requesting that President Biden declassify all information relating to this threat so that Congress, the administration, and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this threat. And then... The speaker goes on to say, well, no need to to get alarmed. (laughs) Steady hands are at the wheel. We're working on it. What steady hands? The, The two parties are absolutely bankrupt when it comes to leadership, both the Republicans and the Democrats. I got a guy in the White House who's too out of it to even be prosecuted for a crime. And... And you say, everything's okay, don't worry. And, and don't worry, we're going to press the administration to take appropriate action. The Intelligence Committee sent out a note to House members today saying there is a destabilizing foreign military capability that should be known by all congressional policymakers. What the hell? They came out of a skiff where they were all briefed and uh, the representative, the Democrat from Illinois, Schakowsky, said, there is not an imminent danger right now. 
Then Jake Sullivan declines to offer any specifics on the threat. I'm not in a position to say anything further today. Standing here at the podium today, I can't say anything further. Then the top Democrat on the Intelligence Committee told reporters people should not panic and that the threat is something that needs to be addressed in the medium to long run. And next, they're going to have a brief, they're going to brief four House members in the Gang of Eight about the threat. I'm a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals tomorrow. How you feeling? I'm just asking, because that upset me. I'd like to know what they're talking about. I can tell you about all the national security threats that I see out there. I got an open border. I don't know who's crossing it. Dan Stein will be on with me at uh, at 3.30. I've got Iran, who a couple of weeks ago was a couple of weeks away from a nuclear weapon. <laughs> I have the little rocket man doing negotiations and business with Russia and with Iran and with everybody else. So I'm not feeling all that confident about national security. And then I got to hear this. What, what, what on earth is happening? And why is the Hill such a mess? And, and do you feel comfortable? That's all I'm asking. They impeached Mayorkas yesterday, the, the Republicans. Okay, that's not going anywhere. Um, I think it was a good move. They didn't do it last week. They couldn't pull it off last week, but they managed to pull it off this week. And now the Senate has to look at this impeachment. And they're not going to, they're not going to impeach him. They barely muscled through this vote in the House. The vote was 214 to 213. Okay. Three Republicans, again, imposing the impeachment. This is only the second time in U.S. history that a cabinet secretary has been impeached, and the first time in 150 years, or almost 150 years. From his first day in office, this secretary of Homeland Security has refused to comply with federal immigration laws, period. We have the worst border catastrophe in the history of America, he has undermined public trust. He lies. He obstructs. Violated his oath of office. So, of course, impeachment was a, a legitimate course of action. If he's not going to do the job that he was confirmed to do, then it's up to the, the House to act. And then, of course, you know, President Biden in his uh, most uh, daunting voice came out and said, oh, uh, history will not look kindly on House Republicans for their blatant act of unconstitutional partisanship that has targeted an honorable public servant, right? But is history going to look kindly on the, uh, on the House and Senate Democrats who have impeached Donald Trump not once but multiple times and continue to uh, go after him as a private citizen who is now the leader of the nomination process of the Republican Party. Really, how do you think history is going to look at that, President Biden?
I think history is going to look at the period between 2020 and 2024 and say, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, what happened? Yeah, how, how did things get that crazy? That goes to the Senate. It, it's going to vote to acquit him. You need two-thirds. You, you would need 67 senators to convict and remove him. And the Democrats control that chamber. And all but a few House Republicans at least were united about the push in the House, but there's not even, there are already GOP senators who've said, no, 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 no. And Kevin Kramer called it dead on arrival, the worst, dumbest exercise and use of time. And see, that's the issue. The American people keep looking up at the Hill and all we see is this this dysfunction, this partisan nonsense, these wars being waged on, uh, you know, in the in the House and in the Senate, and we're just thinking to ourselves. And you keep telling us that everything's okay. Now, don't worry about this national security risk. That uh, you know, there'll be a briefing tomorrow, and it'll be dealt with in the near to long term. What? Do they not understand that we don't trust them at all? that we have had enough, but they don't, they don't understand that. By the way, the Senate is out of session. So the soonest it would even take up this impeachment matter is when they come back to Washington on February 26th. Last time I checked, it's the 14th. <laughs> so uh, look, the uh, Mia Ehrenberg, who is the spokesperson for the Homeland Security Department, said that uh, uh, Secretary Mayorkas has been involved in bipartisan Senate negotiations to shore up the southern border. Why? He didn't think there was anything wrong with the southern border. So why all of a sudden does he think he should shore it up? Maybe an impeachment vote kind of motivated him. I don't know. You know, House Republicans will be remembered. Yeah, maybe they'll be remembered fondly for finally uh, saying that we think it's a violation of your constitutional oath to not secure our border. I can make that case. Why couldn't Congress make that case effectively? Well, they couldn't, they did. And they had very little room for error. They have a very razor-thin majority. And today, that majority went right out the window when George Santos' seat went to a Democrat. So now, you're looking at... Uh, 215 to 215 ties all the time, a lot. Horrifying, it really is horrifying, knowing that we're so divided as a country that we're at a standstill. And both sides feel they have legitimate reason to champion their causes and to fight one another. But in the meantime, your grocery bill is going up, your wages are not. In the meantime, you know, I'm going to share a personal story when I come back from this break. And it grieves me to have to share this story. But I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I, all names will be left out to protect the innocent and the guilty. Um, but I have to share this story because it, it's how my day started and it wasn't a good start to my day. Don't forget to download the 850 app, WFTL app. That way you can hear all the podcasts and join in on all the contests and 
it just it's a good thing to have on your phone. It's got breaking news and weather updates and traffic updates. Or you can just visit the website, 850WFTL.com. Quick break and I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms and you can also find it on uappodcast.com then i gotta listen to all the usual suspects all the pollsters and all the pundits and all of the predictions and wake up it's the final wake up call if if i had a dollar for every final wake up call you know i'd be really 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 rich i mean anybody who thought new york's third congressional district was going to be uh, won by this Maisie Phipps woman. Look, I got nothing against her. I don't know her from, uh, you know, a, a sweet potato. I heard her one time. I think it was on Levin's show. And, you know, I'm not a fan of Tom Swayze, that's for sure. But that was his seat before George Santos came along. And I, I just, I sit I, I, I just sit in amazement. That's all I can say. That today I'm supposed to take that seriously while I have a chairman of a major congressional committee announcing that there is a national security risk right now, today, that has to be addressed. Some foreign power poses a threat to you and me. And like, we really going to discuss George Santos's sit, seat? Then now, now the headlines are all starting to come out, right? Oh, serious national threat. What does it mean? Republican warning of national security threat is about Russia wanting a nuke in space. Okay? The, they, this is what we're hearing now. Two sources familiar with deliberations on Capitol Hill said the intelligence has to do with Russia wanting to put a nuclear weapon into space. This is not to drop a nuclear weapon onto Earth, but rather to possibly use against satellites. Still, it is very concerning and very sensitive, said one source, calling it a big deal. While not addressing the subject directly, multiple members of Congress quickly described the issue as serious without stoking public alarm. We're going to work together to address this matter as we do all sensitive matters that are classified, uh, the speaker told the reporters, but we just want to assure everyone steady hands are at the wheel. First and foremost, what, what is he talking about? What steady hands? Are there steady hands in Washington? Have I missed something? Because the last time I checked, the, the guy who's got his finger on the nuclear football code he, he can't even be prosecuted for a crime he probably committed because he's too out of it. So where are the steady hands? Are, are you telling me that the steady hands are, are uh, Chuck Schumer or Mike Johnson? I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm feeling a little bit nervous today, just a little bit. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to stay in under my covers or anything, but... Uh, 
I'm not buying this. Russia wants to put a, you know, a nuclear weapon in space. First and foremost, no, no nuclear weapons in space. How about that? And if Donald Trump was in the White House, Russia would not even be suggesting such a thing. But they take a look at, can you imagine all the foreign leaders who mean us no good reading that special counsel report? on the weekend or, or just reading it yesterday and seeing that, that the special counsel thought that Joe Biden couldn't be prosecuted because he is a mentally incompetent old man with a bad memory. Oh, okay. The, that must be the steady hands they're talking about. You simply can't make this stuff up, nor does it comfort me at all to know that it just might be. This is what they're trying to comfort me with. Well, it's not a big deal. It's just Russia wants to put nuclear weapons into space. What? That's not a big deal? What would you consider a big deal? That's what I want to know. What would be a big deal if Russia launching nuclear weapons into space you don't consider a big deal? What would you consider a big deal? Maybe a, a, an open border where people are coming across and we have absolutely no idea who they are, what their intentions are. Just wondering, you know, seems a little life-changing to me to have Russia talking about putting nuclear weapons in space. But if that's supposed to calm me down and make me feel better, it didn't. It didn't work on me. Maybe maybe it works on, on some of you, but I doubt it. No, you're not that stupid. I, I'm sorry, not this audience. Maybe maybe that works on like 12-year-olds or something. I'm not sure, but it don't work on me. Anyway, at uh, 3.30, I want to talk with Dan Stein from the Federation of American Immigration Reform, so I'm going to break on time. You stay right where you are. I'll be right back with Dan Stein. All right, and welcome back. As I promised you, I have with me in this portion of the show, Dan Stein. He's the president of the Federation for American and Immigration Reform and uh, just had a crew come back from the border. But first, I have to ask you, Dan, we have now impeached the Secretary Mayorkas for what? What was the purpose? Not that I don't agree with doing it, but it's not going to go through in the Senate. How are you, Joyce? Lovely to see you. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Um, we know that a future Congress at some point is going to have to take steps to patch up the system and restore sovereignty. Mm -hmm. The record that's established during the impeachment inquiry is important because it informs, let's say, there's Republican control in 2025, informs them about how legislative changes need to be made to stop the kind of abuse so it never happens again. And so you've, you've got a good record. It's, it's not a perfect record, but Chairman Green called witnesses, established that there are limits to the degree to which um, an executive official, a cabinet official, can engage in, uh, in malfeasance, illegality, maladministration. And just because the Democrats will probably suffocate it in the Senate doesn't mean politically that it was not important to do and it wasn't important to build the record. Mm -hmm. So... It wasn't a waste of time. Okay. Um, but, you know, I guess part of the problem for me when I look at, for instance, this crashed and burned border package 
that was tied to all this funding for the Ukraine and Israel. Um, it feels like, and it looks like to many of the American people, like Congress is just inept and unable to get anything done. And, and I didn't want that bill, but nothing has been offered that can pass. We're just frozen in time, and it's a very scary time. They just announced that there's some great national security threat. Well, no kidding. I got an open border. Well, Joyce, I mean, throughout most of the 20th century, the Democratic Party stood for the proposition that American labor was first and foremost. <laughs> All of a sudden, they justify sending these ridiculous bills through Congress, or trying to, that do nothing to stop the border crisis, and they claim, well, all these asylum seekers should be given a work authorization because there's a big labor shortage. Well, why do you think Americans have dropped out of the labor force, particularly those with less education? They're not competing. They don't want to compete with all these illegal aliens, basically, who are in the country, so they haven't gone back to work at the level they even were before the pandemic. Meantime, 100% of the new jobs created in this country since 2019 have gone to foreign workers. Right. Now, why is it the Democrats no longer care about the fact that Americans can't get jobs in their own country? And Chairman Powell and these guys saying, oh, you know, we need more foreign workers. The unemployment rate is so low. Americans have given up looking. They're not getting paid enough. They'd rather be on whatever, public assistance or what have you. Mm -hmm. And so they're not even looking so they don't show up in the data. But it's like it's inexplicable. That you see these bills that Democrats propose that not only do nothing to stop the border crisis, they make it worse. I mean, this thing in, in the Senate, Biden is trying to blame Republicans for killing this bill. They should have killed the bill because current law is better and stronger than the bills that the Democrats were trying to push with McConnell. McConnell is a problem. Yeah. McConnell would be happy to be in the minority for the rest of his existence rather than see Trump get reelected. Let's face it. Right. And that's a problem, mm -hmm. okay? Because, you know, he's out of step now with the base of the party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. But then, you know, I read an article uh, today about because this bill failed, that ICE is considering mass releases to close the gap. To You know, so we're, we're again... Maybe it looks like we did something, but actually nothing changed. It got it got worse. Um, it, you you have a seven hundred million dollar budget shortfall right now, and what's going to happen? What are the American people going to say when they go to the polls? That's my concern. Well, you saw the, the Santa Santa election in New York and Long Island. I mean, the Democrat got elected again. Yeah, but that um, I expected. Have the, have the Republicans fixed? The problems in how the vote is being handled uh, with mail-in balloting and all that kind of stuff that allows ballot harvesting and everything. I mean, no one has addressed the real issues that were really in play in 2020. And then you start dealing with social media manipulation, downplaying major stories, media bias, the whole nine yards. It's And Mark Zuckerberg dropping $100 million in to get out the vote campaigns. And then you've got billions of dollars on those things. Um, it's like Republicans are still putting their pants on. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no explanation why Democrats could be winning elections. When, look at, I mean, at every level, I, I mean, maybe on the abortion issue, there's saliency among female voters. But on so many other issues, objectively, how can anybody, well, I have to be careful about endorsements, but it's like, good grief. 
Yeah. It's, it's like it's Democrats are getting reelected all over the place, and it's very difficult to figure out why. Well, in New York, the third congressional district, that to me was, you knew that wasn't going to go well. Um, And then when you pick a relatively unknown, obscure kind of candidate who couldn't get any traction with the press at all, um, that this was anticipated. But I'm more concerned with things like you got this funding gap at ICE right now. They're going to start taking money out of things like the Transportation Security Administration, the Coast Guard, and all these other agencies. And then what happens is the media will play that up, and the American people will say, "Well, I don't feel safe, and why? You know, why couldn't they just pass a bill?" Well, every every first of all, there's HR two in the House. If mm-hmm. Biden wants to shut down the border, he should pass, work to to pass HR two. The fact that he won't do that tells you there's no intention to do it. Right. The Biden administration is committed ideologically to mass immigration. They want to re-engineer the electorate. Everybody knows it. Elon Musk is saying it. Anybody who's honest can see what's going on. And apparently the price they're willing to pay is the destruction of our major cities, massive spiraling crime, um, massive increase in poverty, homelessness, displacing Americans from you know, elder care from nursing homes. Uh, they, uh, you know, our public schools are completely non-functional. I mean, in Florida, it would be nice to get as much protection for American citizens as you're giving your grand oaks down there. I mean, what is with Florida and these trees? Nice. <laughs> so, anyway, but it's like, <laughs> but really, I mean, it's just amazing to see that you have no cooperation at all from Democrats on anything that might actually have deterrent value. And then you have these rhino Republicans who work with Democrats, and that's why nothing gets done. Mm. And we keep saying, well, it's going to get better. Well, I mean, do you think Trump's going to get back in office? It's hard to imagine what they would be willing to do to stop him at this point. Yeah, no, listen, I think they will do everything they can in an effort to stop him. But my sense is that when I talk to people, it's the same thing that they were saying to me in 2016. They weren't saying it out loud to the media. They weren't telling their relatives, but they were saying to talk hosts and around the country without giving you their names, they were saying, look, I'm going to vote for the guy because my kid's school is a mess. I got nothing but ESOL classes in there. I can't get my 18-year-old a summer job. And they, the same things I was hearing in 2016, I'm hearing now. And what ends up happening is that undercurrent carries him into a winning position. Now, you know, look, they're going to have to be careful about this mail-in balloting, but I believe that if he wins by a large enough number, it won't matter. Well, you're right. I mean, basically you have to have border control to deliver any kind of effective government services. Right. It's, It's axiomatic. And yet everything we've seen from the Biden administration suggests they should be paying a massive political price mm-hmm. for this border catastrophe. Right. To sit there and spend all this money or want to spend it on defending Ukraine's borders and saying that Americans are going to defend every last drop of NATO territory. You know how much territory there is in NATO <laughs> and how, I mean, Trump is making an important point about the fact that we, we couldn't possibly carry the financial obligations or the military obligations of defending NATO in its newly expanded state. Mm-hmm. Any kind of rational response would tell you their priorities are screwed up. Like, right. why aren't they focusing on our own border more than any foreign any foreign territory's borders? Mm-hmm. First, you take care of your own. 
And I, it, it's like unfathomable that the public would be oblivious after what, what Biden did was a big favor. He showed the American people what really happens if you let your guard down and let your borders spin out of control. By right. overreaching so dramatically, he enlightened the American people who all for years were saying, well, immigration, I don't really care about that. Well, you know what? They care about it now, mm-hmm. and so maybe this will be an inflection point. I certainly hope so. And, you know, and I also, I believe that the the combined intelligence of the American people is much greater than the politicians and the media give us credit for that they do see things rather clearly and they know now they know for sure there's a solution because Donald Trump managed to put a lot of pieces in place. And if he had been allowed, I think anybody would have to admit that we would have a closed border. We would have had a resurgence of, of a patriotic spirit spirit in this country and that you would see lots of Republicans winning public office. And instead they backbite and they wouldn't support him. And now they ended up, they're not in power and they're still fighting the American people who have made it quite clear. This is what we want. Everything Donald Trump talks about, that's what we want. <laughs> we don't like him, but that's what we want. Well, yeah, they like his policies and they, right. you know, they certainly, you know, they, they, you know, I have yet to hear a robust defense from some of Biden's policies or even no. whether Biden himself, you know, can make a coherent sentence at this point. But I mean, I think the Democrats are probably uh, recognizing that they're facing potential political catastrophe because, you know, you and I know how difficult this job is and how it takes its toll on a person. Right. And the idea that Biden could possibly serve, you know, possibly serve another four years right. is just, if you if you ever watch older people age under yeah. stress, yeah. it's just not going to happen. Not yeah. going to happen. So, you know, we're going to see what happens. But, but in the end, it's an object lesson. And I think Biden has really helped advance public education. And, you know, Joyce, you know, I've been at this for decades. Me too. I have never seen political pundits learn as much about the immigration disaster as they have recently. You turn on Fox, you turn on even MSNBC, the people commenting on immigration are actually beginning to understand asylum fraud, right. visa overstays, court delays. I mean, they're beginning to get the incentives that are encouraging people to use cartels to come here. And that's a real advance in public understanding. And the defeat of the Senate bill it's a clear indication that the public is no longer going to be fooled or have their wool pulled over their eyes with phony solutions. And that's why, fair, you know, we're optimistic about this. We just got to keep up the fight. I hope you're right, because, you know, I, I see a guy like Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, talking about how we can't continue in this vein and then give them credit cards with, you know, money on them and, and ignore the fact that uh, this New York families that have fallen through the cracks and and more every day while their kids are being thrown out of schools so that illegal migrants can live in their schools and then beat up police officers. I, I mean, even knowing what's going on in his own city, he's still going to give them credit cards. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, well, Biden, I mean, I think the, the Democratic Party, as long as it believes that the federal printing press can just <laughs> print money and diminish the value of the dollar forever, yeah. You know, we're not going to see the kind of fiscal discipline that provides the basis for adult, mature, tough, toughest, tough decisions. Yeah. You really believe that you can just go to the federal government indefinitely and get handouts every time you run into a fiscal problem. I mean, look at California, Ugh. giving Medicaid to illegal aliens, yeah. you know, when they're running a massive state deficit. Right. It's like they're in denial. Yeah. And 
you know, even the Federal Reserve, Wall Street, they're all saying, hey, you know what? We're heading toward a fiscal wall. Nice. And I mean, yet you see Adams going, well, I can't get any party support, so I guess we're going to have to demand that they take American jobs, give them work documents, and keep giving them benefits while we take them away from citizens. Really, will the American people put up with this indefinitely? Awfully hard to imagine. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, I certainly miss the fact that I won't be seeing you in D.C. anytime soon, but I don't like going there. The only reason I ever went there was to see you. Well, we'll try to get that going again, you know, resources permitting. But it's like, uh, you know, I mean, it's you know, we got to keep working the uh, working the airways, working the angles. And, you know, you're one of my favorite people, Joyce, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Always, always great to talk to you, Dan. Thanks so much. And everybody go to the website, fairus.org, and make sure you support their efforts because somebody's got to stand up for the American people. Take care, Dan. Okay, thanks, Joyce. And I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm fed up. I know the American people are fed up. We're fed up. We've been ignored long enough. And that's why when people say to me, well, can Donald Trump win? And will they let him win? Won't they pull out all the stops? Yeah, he can win. And and if they keep up in the directions they've been going, he's going to win. So if I were Nikki Haley, I'd shut up. Anyway. Uh, don't forget, coming up after me, Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Pags and Lars Larson and the Overnight Guys. And then tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show. As for me, I have another segment left today, and then I'll be back at 3 o'clock. So stay right where you are. There are days when you ask yourself, um, you know, what am I seeing so differently than the rest of the media? I guess you don't ask yourself that, but since I work in this business... I just, I, I say, how is it that they seem so detached from the experience of the very listeners and viewers that determine their success or failure? If I don't provide you with information that's relevant, and if I don't do it in a somewhat engaging, if not entertaining method, you're not going to stick around that long. But apparently no one has ever told that to the folks over at CNN or MSNBC or CBS or ABC or even Fox because the stuff that they spend all this energy on, the reportage, if that's the right word, that you look at is really um, strange. Like, is the big story today, after what we heard from the House about there being like, you know, a a national security threat, but don't worry, it's only Russia trying to put nuclear weapons in space. Oh, okay, I won't worry. If that's not the biggest story, and instead they think the biggest story is that, oh, Jared Kushner is not going to, he's going to sit out a Trump administration if, if the president wins the election. First and foremost, maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe not. I'm sure, you know, he's saying, oh, I have a lot of commitments. I got to run my business. Got to help my father. I got to take care of my family. But he said all that the last time. You know, it's very difficult when you are approached by the president of the United States and you have any belief in his ability to get some things done. And you've already been through the mill. What could they do to Jared and Ivanka that they haven't already done? You know, what could they do to Eric? who I saw speak the other night, and uh, and Lara Trump. You know, what could they do? By the way, 
How prescient was it that I said to you that I had just heard little bits of rumblings prior to going up to Club 47 on Monday about Lara Trump's name being floated as a co-chair for the RNC by the next day, and certainly by today, that's like a big news story. Well, it doesn't, you know, that's why I tell you, when you are here in South Florida and you are willing to keep your ear to the ground, there's a lot of stories and a lot of people willing to talk. You know, people that are close to the Trumps, people that uh, spend time raising money for Republican candidates, all of them do still talk to me. And so I've been uh, very fortunate to know some of the backstory often, and I share it with you. I'm not hiding it. Are you kidding? Like my audience deserves to know everything I know. I've got candidates who call me up all the time and they tell me, oh, you know, uh, I want you to be the first to know I'm considering running. Okay, you know, that's good. Or, or they'll call me and say, I am running. Okay, that's good. I never discourage, well, that's not true. I seldom discourage anybody for running from pu for public office because I believe it's a calling. It's not something you do for, you know, grins and giggles. It is taxing, it is frustrating, it is time consuming. If you don't have a lot of money, it can destroy your uh, financial security, it could destroy a family. So it's not something people do casually. And if they start out doing it casually, they quickly learn that ain't gonna work, right? So I talk to these people all the time. So when they ask me my opinion, I feel it's a pretty, it's a it's a, an opinion based on an observation of what goes on from Miami to Jupiter in politics. I know what happens. I know how campaigns are won. I know how campaigns are lost. I know how even the best candidates can lose an election and even the worst candidates can win an election. I don't ignore demographics. I know everybody else likes to say, well, this is a red state now. There should be more victories. Okay, Broward is not even purple. Broward is a blue county. Palm Beach is maybe purple. Miami-Dade is purple-leaning red. But when people come to me, they come to me asking me about Broward elections and then they tell me, oh, but I think and, and last time and this number. And I say to them, you can throw all that out the window. I'm going to tell you what the reality on the ground is. Okay. And I'll give you the perfect example. The district in which I live since I moved into this district has had multiple uh, congressional races. And... um. I've never been wrong about who was going to win the race. And it's not because the Democrats have such great candidates. It's not even because those candidates are able to do substantial amount of fundraising or even that those candidates, once, once elected, um, you know, are such great representatives of the area. It's that if you have enough voters who are satisfied with what you believe, and they agree with you, you are going to win elections. And if you're running in some of these districts in South Florida, it doesn't matter how crazy you are, how you could be Debbie Wasserman Schultz and continue to win year after year, every two years. You could be uh, any number of people. I watched elections take place 
where I'll see what I can steal Hastings, an indicted, impeached federal judge, won without ever an opponent. Or if he did get an opponent, the opponent got 17 votes, like himself and his family members. Now, so when people would say to me, I'm going to run against all C, I think I got a chance. You know, I'm the right color, I'm the right gender, I'm the right this. And I would say, no, that's not what can win that district. That district was carved out specifically for him. And now uh, it's been taken over by someone who it's, it's going to be in their hands for a long time. I'll be gone before that district flips, okay? People don't like to hear it. They call me, they want to know what I think but they really don't want to hear the truth. And I get that, you know, if you've committed yourself to a, a challenging and incumbent Democrat in Broward County or Dade, uh, Palm Beach County or even Dade County, and you believe that you've got the right platform and you think you can raise the money, I'm never going to try to talk you out of it, but I'm not going to tell you, hey, sounds like a great idea to me <laughs> because I, I just can't lie like that. You know, I'll I'll be there. I'll I'll, I'll try to you know, speak kindly of you and things like that. But I'm just, there's no time to waste. We've got to start winning races. And the way we win races is to find areas where we actually have uh, a possibility of winning races and moving in there with the hell, you know, just the guns blazing. I probably shouldn't use that term, but I apologize. Um, and that's that, you know, all this other stuff, all the spinning of our wheels to try and get our points across. Okay. It's, you know, it's interesting, but it's come on, you know, just come on, give me a break. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock. If it be his will and he delays his coming, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.